William Hill Sportsbook at Silver Sevens Hotel and Casino. It's Cofield and Company. Rocking and rolling, five o'clock hour. I don't even know what that means. Jamming and slamming. Very busy day. <laughs> My Saturday night. Very distracted. Bears and Seahawks are coming up. One last thing on the Bears. The Bears. That I don't love, and I know you do because you're a homer. Why do you have Justin Fields? You turn over the organization, and then you bring in a defensive head coach. Oh, why, I agree. Why, why do that? Matt Eberflus? Yeah. No, Are you I, objective on this as a Colts guy? Of course I am. I, I mean, okay, I'll be honest with you. Why in today's day and age would you ever again hire a defensive coach? Right? Yep. Like, the only thing you need your defense to do, it's the cliche, it is bend but don't break. Fine. Get him in the red zone. All you got to do is keep him out of the end zone, and we're going to be fine. I would never in my life hire a defensive coach if I'm running a, an organization. It is always going to be offensive-minded, forward-thinking dudes every single time. Now, having said that, there are some outliers. Brandon Staley, for example, defensive guy. But he's clearly a forward-thinking dude and has put his offensive staff in a position where we're going to do this the right way. If it's somebody like that, then I kind of get it. But I think as you move forward, it's got to be an offensive guy in today's day and age. I should know more about Ryan Poles, the GM, and Eberflus and their relationship. So I got to read up on that. But that also, that combo doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. And if you're turning over an organization and you're going to rebuild and you have the quarterback in place, you have to bring in an offensive coach. And then here's the crazy thing. Like, is Eberflus talking to Poles and ownership and like, dude, I don't know why I'm saying dude. Guys. Gentlemen. Right? (laughs) Our best player on the team is arguably Roquan Smith. I'm a defensive guy. Can we pay him? Right. And then I'm sure Poles is coming back. Like, no, he's a linebacker. It's the new running back of the NFL. We're not paying him. Well, yeah. Why did I take the job? I'm a defensive guy. This is He's a great player. Yeah, we don't pay linebackers anymore. Well, could we have cleared this up before I was brought in to run things? It almost seems like the Bears and Poles fell into their own trap, which is we're the Bears. We're the monsters at a midway. Yep. we got to be able to play some really good defense on our crappy grass. My oh. Chicago accent went out the window after a few words, but you understand what I'm saying. Big Three Five times. times. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents the Big Five at Five, number five. I saw that you had to hit the airport last weekend. I had to hit the airport as well. The SO was out of town, so I had to drop her off and pick her up. Last weekend at the airport was a disaster, especially on Sunday. Dude. Something happened. Some jackass freaked everyone out. People bum-rushed security. I think they had to put everyone back through security again. There was a ton of canceled flights. When I when I dropped off the SO on Friday night, it was pretty busy. It was a typical Friday night. What was the experience like for you just going down to the airport? Well, so, so my, my in-laws came in that weekend, um, and I didn't have to worry about getting them because they came in late on Friday and they had a concert, whatever. But dropping, so first off, seeing the footage of the day in which all that happened, and some of the quotes from some of the TSA agents, I don't know if you saw them, there were TSA agents who were quoted as saying, yeah, we, we let people run through. Like, we thought they were all going to get shot. So, yeah, you can run through the security checkpoint. We didn't really care. So, yeah, they had to pull everybody back. It was crazy. And it was the videos that I saw because my mother-in-law started recording when they went in, exactly the same the next day. I dropped them off. First off, that's already kind of a nightmare, the passenger don't, drop-off Don't strip. tell me. Did, you did not go to the left, right? You did not try to cheat the system where it splits. You're supposed to go to the right. That's a drop-off area. People go to the left where the bus is. Oh, go, no, I didn't. And know. they start dropping them off. I 
I seriously want that sidewalk electrified. I so as soon as people stop, I don't know how you would get you know yeah. avoid electrifying electri- electri- the people that are supposed like, to be who there. Who are actually <laughs> supposed to be there? But I was watching a slew of people yeah. who freaked out. And you know what's funny? Uh, well, in in my case, I was dropping off at Southwest. So I was just like, I can wait because I know as soon as I get to the end, you move over. It's an easy drop off. But everyone freaks out. Yeah. No. I so no, I did not. I did the normal passenger drop off. The problem was the very right lane was closed up to, like, past the Allegiant entrance. You know what I, I mean? One of I the first that, ones. Yeah. So that was kind of a nightmare. But is, it, every, is, is, is there a lane closed on every street and driveway in the city right now? I think it's a state law, isn't it? I don't <laughs> I swear, there are, there are times, because I'm crazy, there are times I'm in the car and I'm like, oh, I'm going to avoid this here. And then, you know, I, make, I, I take a different route. Like, one of the routes I will go um, behind the convention center on, I think it's all been renamed uh, University Drive. Up to there's a new police substation up there. Oh yeah, and it's always like a nice clear path. And then one day last week, I was like, no, no, I'm like, there's lane closures here, and they're ripping up the road. I'm like, that was my route. Now I have to find another one that's out of the way. Going so every if I have a show at the station, going south on Durango, right past (laughs) Trop, where in front of that like elementary school, the Hacienda, all of a sudden out of nowhere, like that right lane has been closed, and so that's kind of been a nightmare. Here's the thing, I think you'd be proud of me. So the last time on Monday we had a show. So I'm going back. It's closed down. Everybody's getting down. This person behind me gets out of the lane, starts driving up the center lane, and then tries to get back in to which I go, nay, my friend, block this person off so that they can't and they get frustrated and then flip a B and have to go back the other way. It's called the suicide suicide lane for a reason. If you want to use it as a passing lane, then you may be driven head on to another car. Yep. And I'm sorry for the other car. Now, that's a little aggressive. Sacrifice you must I, make. I, I will admit it. Sacrificing for the good of <laughs> right. others to teach. Okay, it's it's psychotic. But it's a trolley it, problem. It, it is very frustrating around town with the lane closures because they are everywhere. Every alternate route you try, you're, you're like, I got a sneaky route. Nope. We got we to gotta block that one, too. Number four. Number four. Dangerous Danny gets on the show. I saw him tweet out the other day. School starting means I eat leftover snacks from my stepdaughter. Or snacks. My stepdaughter, stepdaughter didn't eat in school when I pick her up. Whatever, I can't read it. But uh, first of all, what step? What that's what I, that honestly. Hey, what's going on? So here? for the listeners who don't know, I, I've known you know Dangerous Dan and I go way back. This is the first time I've heard the term stepdaughter. Now she's a great kid, and we get along very well with our common love of anime. Um, first time I've heard the term. How? Okay, one, I always mention I'm a value player. If I had kids, they'd, they'd probably be fat because I would make them eat everything. Because I don't want to – I mean, I would eat probably leftovers. But when I saw this, I was like, wait, what? You're sending – the stepdaughter's going to school. She's not eating the snacks. What the hell's going on here? What are we spending money on? When it's a stepdaughter, how much can you police their diet? I mean, that's a question for him. I, I would say every bit. You, you live under my house, and hop- I buy the food. Yeah. Can you hop on mic for a second? Are you hooked up? Would the stepdaughter yep. mean daughter of a girlfriend or daughter a daughter of a wife? A girlfriend, but I refer wait, to wait, her. Wait, wait, wait a second. That now that's another thing. Okay. Are you sure? Yes. I I think you're very committed. Is there a ring soon? Stepdaughter. It's a girlfriend. Well, I refer my girlfriend's daughter. I yeah. refer to her as stepdaughter because me and my girlfriend have been together for almost five years. Oof. And I've been in her daughter's life for four and a half of the five. Oh, okay, so you're officially, you're pretty much a dad. Yeah, I've been living with them for the last three and a half years. So you can police her diet. All right. 
I mean, I try, but she she's like a rabbit sometimes. But when she she's finds a skinny that, kid, by the way, very like, skinny. Yeah, toothpicks. We're very much monitoring all the all the kids' weight. Well, well, my kids like his, watching watching your kids like a hawk right now. They're I mean, your older one is simply not beefy enough. I see his ribs like every day. And it's weird because he's got that toddler body where he's got like a beer belly, but then you can see his ribs. I don't get it. You guys were, as you put it, now I'm blanking on how you put it. You guys were feeding, weren't you feeding him ravioli in bed? He would just lay around. Your, oh, feet is, yeah, your Isabel. wife would feed him ravioli. Oh, it still happens. It's ridiculous. The other day, the metabolism. I'm you know, jealous. We got into it's not. It wasn't a real argument. So like the other day, yesterday, Isabel's sitting there and she's eating graham crackers, right? That she wants. Diego comes over and goes like this. Like, looks at her. She go, he goes, I love you, Mom. Like, clearly, like, no. buttering her up. So he, she goes, here you go. And I go, don't give it to him. If they're yours, they're yours. We can go and do something. We have a closet full of snacks. Your wife is very nice. Way too nice. It's ridiculous. The other day I come in. Don't give him Spoon feeding him. She, it's dinner time. And she's, like, spoon feeding him. I'm like, he's going to be four in a week and a half. What are we doing? But also, I am a food finisher. And I think that's probably why I got... Because not only was the SO, my SO, doing it, now the kids are starting to do it, and you can't let that go to waste. One, one more on, um, I don't want to do, like, this generation, but... Uh, Danny's aggressive terminology in his relationship. Well, I, I was uncomfortable with that, but... Um, and I really did... The, there's, a, there's a whole other discussion. I want to know what snacks he's passing on, but for another show. Are kids now leftovers? Kids, do they... And I don't mean they're leftover from another relationship, but do they eat leftovers? I mean, I mean... Yeah, I don't think my – well, I'm the wrong person to ask because my kid doesn't understand the concept of leftovers. He just looks at something in front of him. And I think every family is different. Oh, yeah, Isabel's you, an uh, anti-leftover I'll tell person. you, the SO, like, I, I don't know I, I don't know what lap of luxury she grew up in, but, like, she is anti-leftover. And, like, my family, like, leftovers are one of the best things we had. I'm not saying we were poor. We just we, – we would eat the food. Like, I'm bringing home food. Or if mom, and that was usually who cooked, made a lot of food, like, I was down with leftovers. You're going to open a can of worms here because Here here's the thing. Uh-oh. So Isabel is not only she's anti leftover, so she's just like your so. I'm always I'm always struggling not to say her name. Uh, your so, pardon me. Um, <laughs> I coughed over it. So she'll like she'll be adamant. This is the thing that irritates me. She'll be adamant that we bring things home or save them, but she will never, never eat them. And she also has this weird thing where she'll put half eaten or consumed drinking liquids in there without a cover without a top like i'll open the fridge and there'll be like an open can of soda or i'll open the fridge there will be an apple cut in half just like chilling there in the fridge and they'll ne- she'll never touch it afterwards but you just gotta save it oh my god it's but, so but, real. but unwrapped and unpreserved yeah you can't i mean you gotta have tupperware bags I, you know how many times when i cook dinner Look at how and i go it. back out and like the Tupperware, it's like it, you know, it's eleven o'clock at night, and it's still sitting there. I'm like, put it in the fridge. Like it's a simple process. Just put it in the fridge when it's done. We can't do it. I think we got to trade uh, roomies here. I think I think the, both of the SOs need to live together, and well, you and I should live together. Oh, I think we coexist great. pretty well. I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> the fridge would be perfect. There'd be lots of leftovers. I'd love to get Tupperware, my hands on a slicer. Bags. Oh yeah, you get to use a <laughs> slicer, right? Well, there's a lot of downsides. Trust me, there's a lot of downsides. Uh, being with uh, myself, it's not. It's, it's a little intense. It's a little <laughs> intense. In the whole, yeah, I know, right? It's just a radio show. It's just work. Number three. Boy, I'm fired up today. I'm really excited to be following college football right now and what's going on. So the big shoe dropped today. The Big Ten 
has forged a deal. It's with basically every network under the sun. But NBC, CBS, Fox are in four networks total. I only named three, but four networks total, $8 billion for Big Ten football. I don't think this is good for a Power Five surviving, John. No. They're making so much money on this TV deal. I think they can justify adding a few schools and picking apart the Pac-12, maybe the Big 12 a little bit, and the ACC. So that was my thing. And then the SEC is going to react and do something so they could pluck more from the ACC or wherever they want. And then what happens if the other three Power Fives lose like six or eight teams combined? Then what? No, I agree. And what I thought was – so there's a couple of things that stuck out to me about this deal – the first of which was actually the length. It's only seven years. That that for for me immediately that's the first thing that stuck out. It's like that's not that long. You can add teams and then you renegotiate this thing for even more money coming up in like five years, whatever it is. That's I think it's brilliant on the part of the Big Ten. And to your point, like I think it makes it more intriguing for other teams. I know that that Notre Dame has been rumored to be potentially agreeing to a deal here with you know whatever it is for I think it was around sixty million dollars a year. I, I kind of understand the arrogance of wanting to be independent. But in the changing landscape, why would you not look at the Big Ten if you're Notre Dame and say, we could get 20 to maybe even 30 more million dollars per year if we just join this conference? Well, I think what's going to happen is Notre Dame will get their deal with NBC, but it'll have more Big Ten elements. Yeah. So they'll, they're kind of part of the Big Ten package because they'll have to play some of their old Big Ten rivals. Like Notre Dame-Michigan may be back on the schedule. I don't know if permanently. So would it be like their agreement now, where they almost agree to play some ACC games? But I think they're going to. The I think they'll be involved with both. Okay, like yeah. I don't think the Big Ten games are going to replace all the ACC games. Right. But the scenario I'm describing here, we could be looking, like you said, the deal seven years long around the five year mark. What if the Big Ten and the SEC have plucked off six or eight teams from the other Power Fives? Then what happens to the three remaining Power Fives? And that's the the great fear for Group of Five schools is that. The Pac-12 and the ACC, whatever's left, could merge, yep. and that that would be the third of the you know the next powers. And I don't know that invites are coming for San Diego State, for Boise State, for UNLV. You know, for schools that have been on the outside looking in, this doesn't look like a great direction. This money is so massive that the Big Ten is getting; it can do whatever it wants. And the SEC, because you know it's competitive, is going to be like, yeah, you know, then we're going to add Clemson and Florida State and Miami. Let's do it. Number two. So we're down at Silver Sevens, Flamingo and Paradise. I've been kind of hanging around the area all day today, John, because I was over at UNLV for football. Uh, I stopped today at Ellis Island, right, which I, I love that place. And, man, I was driving up and around Koval, Koval and Flamingo, Koval and Harmon, and had a little extra time today to kind of look at the lot that F1 bought at Koval and Harmon, which is kind of caddy corner from Top Golf, and then across the street from the back of a lot of uh, El Dorado Caesars properties. My God, there's a lot of open land there. And F1 bought that 39-acre lot. That that lot on that corner is bigger than the Allegiant Stadium lot. That was only 33 acres. Yeah, yeah. And that's all F1. Headquarters, probably stands. So imagine on the other side of Koval, like – if you own, you know, Bally's, Paris, 
Planet Hollywood. They've got open lots back there. What do you think they're going to do? Right? Mm-hmm. It's going to be grandstands and VIP booths, and we just heard earlier in the week. And, again, folks, if you haven't heard, F1's coming here for three straight years starting next year in November. The uh, story just came out two days ago. MGM is interested in buying 20 to $25 million in tickets to F1, and they're going to offer vacation packages for F1 starting at, like, $100,000. The money on Koval there and the amount of building and grandstands and new construction, it's going to be freaking awesome. Now, getting there, getting to that point is going to be a little painful, but how cool is it? Look around the town right now and all the new stuff that's, that's being built. It's a very cool time because we were down for a while. But, yeah, I mean, the fact that F1 is coming here and agreed to buy $240 million for 39 acres, that that whole area is going to be reconstructed. I I got to get into F1, man, because it's such a growing monster. And the popula- you can clearly see that the popularity is immense, and there's so much money around it and in it, and it affects you know ecosystems in cities like ours, and it's going to be awesome for us. But I, like, I don't know a single thing about it. And it's so massive. Like, I feel like I should, I need to get into this because by the time it gets here, I feel like I want to go to one of these things. Like, I, I need to be a part of this world. John Von Tobel, F1 betting insider. Why are you not on this now? You got about 14 months. That's get it point. together, man. We got a producer at VSIN that actually has started an F1 betting podcast. I should just usurp that and just take it. Take it over. Who is it? Just punch down and take it over. I'm going to text him right Is it now. someone I know who's You're important? Fired. No. Important. <laughs> no. You're fired. You know, wow, John. Fact, okay. He only puts my earpiece in on Sundays. You know what I mean? Puts your... No. Wow. Look he at, tries let's to. Let's go. Wow. Look at this. So we have earpieces. You know, sometimes they're like, can I put this in? I'm like, I got it. TV talent puts my earpiece in. Oh. Does that person get you a bagel on no, weekends? No. There's no, no bagel? No. There's no bagel getting? There's no slapping down of a 20 and saying, I like the everything with egg. <laughs> Is that the order? I think it was. It was something like that. And, and then on top of it for effect, though. Yeah, the slap, slap of the, of the money down. down. Yeah. Is it keep the change, or I want every penny back? I think he's a keep the change guy. Really? I think so. For a bagel and egg? Yeah. What's that going to run, eight bucks at the most? Well, where they broadcast from, it's probably going to run like seventeen fifty. Oh, wow. I didn't know we were talking about someone else. I thought it was you. Uh, coming up, number one story, get the uh, inside dope now on Deshaun Watson. 11-game suspension. It's final. 11-game suspension, and he's paying a $5 million fine. Some of what Deshaun said today, some of what his attorney said today, a little confusing. It's the Big Five at Five, brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyers. If you've been injured, call Justin Watkins at Battleborn Injury Lawyers, 570-9000. I'm back, and I'm about to murder I'm not bothered by this 11 games. Uh, you, you missed 17 games last year, and I know that hurt. Any great football player loves to play the game. It's hopefully behind us now. I hope uh, Jacoby Pissett uh, can keep them competitive until he comes. Uh, and I also hope that the Browns added an addendum. Only male masseuses. Hanging at the William Hill Sportsbook inside Silver 7s, it's Cofield & Company. Voice of Reason, also hometown hero, O.J. Simpson. Pleading with everyone, let's put this behind us. It's a real pain in the neck. He's talking about Deshaun Watson, by the way. What's a real pain in the neck? Just everything. I have a a stabbing headache. There's there's always the stop. 
So friend of the show, hometown hero, relax. Uh, Deshaun Watson gets 11 games. NFL agrees with Team Deshaun, 11 games. $5 million fine. Watson came out and said, I continue to stand on my innocence just because, you know, settlements and things like that happen doesn't mean that a person is guilty for anything. I feel like a person has an opportunity to stand on his innocence and prove that, and we prove that from a legal side, and just going to continue to push forward as an individual and a person that kind of flies in the face of what was kind of an apology. I'm doing a lot of kind of and sort of because this is a really poorly stated statement, but in the uh, pregame interview last week, he did say sorry. He didn't say sorry for sexual assault. You want the quote? Yeah, give me, give me the original quote. Quote, I'm truly sorry to all the women that I've impacted in this situation. There are decisions that I made in my life that put me in this position I would definitely like to have back. Okay. That I impacted. Yeah. And yet today it's... I, I, know, it's, I stand on my innocence. I'm not guilty. I was apologizing to you who were, who were triggered. His attorney said, uh, Deshaun has always stated he is innocent of sexual assault. Nothing has changed in what he said. He also said he is remorseful. The uh, decisions he made have created the situation. The settlement allows him to move forward with his life and career. Oh, good. Well, Glad he can move on with his life. It's going to take a lot of time to slightly heal this, but he'll be saddled with this forever. Oh, yeah. I mean, look, look at so... Actually, it is to an extent fitting that we opened with audio from OJ. That is always going to follow him around. Always. No matter what. And I think as we move forward now with Deshaun Watson, much like with Ben Roethlisberger, that is going to follow him around always. It is going to be you sick bleep chance. It is going to be vague comments like I made about OJ, about Deshaun Watson. The difference, though, is like when you hear commentary like, just want to move on. Like, yeah, you know what? I'm sure so do the, what are we up to now, 30 women? But this impacted them to the point where, like, they're going to be affected by this for a really long time. And it's not just mean words every once in a while. There's a lot of strategy to what the NFL did with the length of the suspension. We're going to look at when he returns, what's going on that week, and we also want to do a deep dive on what just happened today with the Big Ten and this $8 billion deal and what will happen to the Pac-12 and Group of Fives. Bob Thompson, retired president of uh, Fox Sports Networks and Fox Sports International, is up. Just a few on Cofield and Company. Enter to win a $100 gas card every 15 minutes from 6 p.m. to 10 p.m. Every Wednesday here at Silver 7s and the William Hill Race and Sportsbook. Cofield and Company is live at the William Hill Sportsbook at Silver 7's Hotel and Casino. So, you know, through all this conference realignment talk, we've brought on a lot of folks who are tied to schools, media people, players, former athletes who are tied to schools, especially in the Pac-12, right? Because we have a vested interest in the Pac-12 and then UNLV and the Group of Five and conference realignment. We really haven't talked to the root of this whole thing, and that's TV people. And I'm not saying TV people are bad, but we need some expertise on this. And Bob Thompson is a retired president, uh, was with Fox Sports, joins John and Cofield here in Vegas. How are you, sir? I'm very well. How are you guys? We're good. These are crazy times. These are crazy times. Before we get into the, the breaking news today with the Big Ten finalizing what it's going to do, in all your years 
uh, working in TV, did you ever expect it to get to a point where uh, live sports TV games were so freaking coveted? Yeah, it is quite <laughs> it's quite a change from from years ago. I think, uh, with the fragmentation in the TV business and the, the new <clears throat> technologies such as streaming, um, the networks have realized real quickly that uh, live sports is the the best way to to draw a large audience in the that coveted demographic of men eighteen to fifty four. I think if you look, I read somewhere that the top of the top thirty shows so far this year on television 27 of them have been sports events wow so that gives you an idea the the power in this fragmented market that uh that sports has uh for the broadcast networks tell me if i'm wrong on this one Uh, production cost to do a game actually it's it's pretty affordable right from the the tv side of things as opposed to like a big production tv show uh yes that's why i think you see a lot of the scripted shows comedy or or drama um, moving over to the streaming shows or the streaming services. I mean, just look at the Emmy Awards uh, that are come up in a couple of weeks. Most of the, the, the dramas and uh, things like that are, are all on the streamers. What you get on the networks tend to be now uh, live sports, news, and uh, reality shows. Are the streamers, I'm sorry to cut you off, are the streamers actually making a mistake or is this a way to get a foothold? Like, should the streamers actually be much more gung-ho about getting into sports? Um, I think it's smart on the streamers because there's a lot more uh, drama writers and actors out there than, than there are sports, <laughs> right. sports teams. Okay. <laughs> so it's just a, a bit of a supply and demand. Yeah, I think the streaming guys are trying to get in sports. They're, you know, Amazon, with, we'll see with the Thursday night football package this year. That's kind of the biggest step anybody's made. Um, you know, I think the conferences are want to have a, a – partnership and want to have an element and i think you know with the big 10 deal you see that with the peacock element but i think they're also reticent to give them a big big chunk or the entire chunk because they just don't want to uh limit the distribution of their package to only those people on that streaming service it's very important for them to have the broadest reach possible and i was going to say on the streaming side i guess they have to be careful when you start out streaming services and they're seven eight nine dollars a month for people and then you enter into the sports properties world, and all of a sudden you're going direct to customer, and you're, you know then you're like, well, to justify it, now we got to charge them twenty two dollars a month. Like there may there's a point of of diminishing returns, I would think, where it just gets overpriced for the streamers. Without a doubt, I mean, if you saw last week, yes, or Disney reported a loss of one point one billion dollars on their streaming services for the quarter. Now that'll buy an entire year of Big Ten network right or Big Ten college rights. So. It's a lot of money, and they've got to come up with a you know some sort of scenario where these streamers are um, doing a, a better job at rationalizing the investment. There's there's got to be some sort of bundling come forth. There's probably going to be some consolidation. Um, I think people are kind of getting overloaded on streaming services. You know, if you if you have a bunch of them, it's costing you ninety, a hundred bucks a month, and that's what you used to pay for cable. So you know, why have the streaming services? Because there's not that much difference uh other than you know some shows on on certain services that you know makes it really worth that much money in my mind 
I like that quote of 90 or $100. You're a very responsible family because I feel like uh, my family is at, like, over $200. We're out of control. I don't even know what I'm paying for anymore. Like, I, <laughs> I, always, I always joke on the air, Bob, that all I did was talk about the day I was going to cut the cord. I'm a big winner. I am going to be victorious. And, like, three years later, I'm like, wait, now I'm paying double. What did I do here? I am an idiot. All right, let's get, yeah. to, let's get to the big story at hand here. Okay. So what just happened with the Big Ten? How did they get this much money? And almost like an NFL game plan where, like, we're not doing exclusive. Everyone's going to pay us. Yeah, it was a, a, a really well-thought-out plan by, by Kevin Warren, and, and assuming the Fox guys were involved with him as well since they've been partners with the Big Ten on the Big Ten Network for several years. Uh, it, it is absolutely an NFL model, and, and Kevin Warren, the commissioner, comes from the NFL. He was brilliant in being able to attract Fox, NBC and CBS to to the package and have an NFL type setup where you, know, you you go to Fox first thing in the morning for the pregame show and stay for the big noon game then over to NBC or to CBS excuse me and then on into NBC so <clears throat> those those three networks you know Fox was kind of a given CBS was looking to replace uh, the 3:30 Eastern window that they lost. Uh, with the SEC and NBC was was looking to, you know, find something to match up with the Notre Dame games, and then also create a Saturday night product, much like they have the Sunday night NFL. And with the SEC already wrapped up with ESPN and ABC for a number of years, in order to get at one of the two preeminent conferences, they really had no place to go except for the Big Ten. Bob, what stuck out to me was the length of the deal. I feel like only seven years is pretty short, and it gives them um, actually a pretty good opportunity that if they want to add some more programs, whatever it is, in a short amount of time, they're right back at the table to get some even more money. Am I, am I right in thinking that? You're absolutely right. I think that the conference has always been pretty strategic on that. Even you know, back when Jim Delaney was the commissioner, he used to always try and get to the table before anybody else. He also believed that doing too long of a term deal, the, the paradigm could change dramatically in, in that number of years uh, just because of how television was changing. My guess is they really probably only wanted to do 60, six years, but seventh year was added because USC and UCLA don't come to the conference till year two. Tell the audience why the Big Ten is so attractive to TV networks. Because it got to a point with ESPN where they're like, yeah, we're not going to pay for that. We're going to stick with the SEC. Why is the Big Ten so attractive? I think that first to the ESPN thing, I don't think ESPN liked the window they were offered. If you look at it, it was probably twice as much money for half as many games if they were, in fact, offered the CBS window. Also, I think they might have had an issue with the uh, fulfilling an FCC window at the same slot because that's what they're taking from CBS. As far as why the, the Big Ten is so, so popular and demanded this kind of money, I mean, the schools are all big schools. All of them are really large um, enrollment-wise. They're in some nice Midwestern markets, you know, big markets. And they've got, a, you know, now they're coast-to-coast from, you know, New York, New Jersey, over to, to Southern California. Um, the alumni is spread all over the country with the three biggest spots for, for Big Ten alumni being New York, Chicago, and Los Angeles. Uh, it's important for them to not only recruit uh, student-athletes, but also students, and to continue to make their product available to their large alumni base. It's 
spread all over the country so that those donations keep coming in. So when it comes to adding more for the Big Ten and then getting back to the negotiating table in seven years, is it just about adding more numbers, like whatever programs you want to add, you want to add, or how important it is looking at specific programs and adding ones that check some certain boxes, and what would be those boxes? I think for the conferences, the, the ads are based on uh, things like uh, cultural fit, like uh, the, you know, Stanford type, you know, is that, that's a great fit for the Big Ten. They'd like to have them in their, in their neighborhood. And then they also take a look at things like, uh, you know, the brands, uh, popularity, uh, the market size, you know, as it relates to TV and being able to sell it, pass, you know, recoup some of the money, uh, for the, from the TV guys. What they want to make sure is that bringing people in hopefully doesn't make the pie, you know, just cut up a couple additional ways and everybody else gets less money. They're looking for schools that they can bring and either based on their market size or based on the school and its history can be an accretive uh, ad as opposed to someone who's going to be dilutive and, and then it ends up where everybody gets less money. We're talking TV and sports, the big Big Ten deal across four different networks for $8 billion over seven years. Bob Thompson is on Cofield & Company, a former uh, retired president of Fox Sports Networks. All right, let's get to the most important thing for this show, and that is uh, UNLV, Mountain West Conference, and Pac-12. So let's concentrate on the Pac-12. Was the Big Ten signing this deal, is that a good thing for the Pac-12? Um, yes, I think it's a good thing for the Pac-12. Uh, you know, I've always maintained that the Pac-12 has, has value for, uh, for a number of networks. Uh, ESPN uh, really likes that uh, 10:30 Eastern window for the so-called Pac-12 after dark. Um, if you're an ESN, ESPN subscriber, you expect to be able to turn on the TV at nine in the morning out in Southern California and watch watch football till you go to bed at 11. But they need to fill that window, and the big the Pac-12 is the best place to fill it. Uh, I think Fox would also like some windows for FS1. Um, Fox might also um, look for another game, uh, you know, maybe in the afternoon for the Fox Broadcast Network after their noon game on the Big Big Ten. So I think there's uh, some some appeal for the other for the Pac-12. I think the Pac-12 is going to have to be creative. I think they're going to have to be flexible. They might have to play some Thursday night and Friday night. They're going to have to figure out some way to monetize what's known as the Pac-12 networks in a, in a format better than they have right, up to right, this point. Right. Uh, there might be a, an opportunity, you know, being on the West Coast, that might be enticing to the Apples and the Amazon Primes of the world who are also located out there. So, you know, being able to carve out a significant digital package of some sorts for one of the streamers could help. It's going to have to look, they're going to have to be creative and it's going to have to look a little different than, than their deals in the past. This was a hell of a job that new commissioner George Klyavkov took, you know, after working as a as a Vegas executive. I mean, he got some challenges here, and really the, the Pac-12 was a freaking punching bag for a few months getting poked at by everyone, including the Big 12. Yes, it, it was. And, you know, they, they made the decision to kind of go radio silent, and I, I think I can certainly understand that. It doesn't really do anybody any good to get in a, you know, a shouting match over the, over the Twitter, Twitter sphere. Um, it's kind of everything. So, but I think he knows he's, you know, he's, he's got to step up now. And I think, uh, you know, I don't know him personally, but everything I've heard, he's very, very smart, very intelligent. It has a fair amount of uh, history having worked for 
NBC Universal and Hulu and, and certainly with MGM out in Las Vegas. So he, I think he understands this, and I, I, I know his television consultant, and he's very, very, very good. And so I think they'll be able to, you know, come up with something. And they, they need to do it, I think, relatively quickly, if possible, because you've got some some folks in the Pac-12 conference who are going to get – they don't see a number here pretty soon. They're going to get wandering eyes. You uh, Are you retired in Arizona? Is that where you live? Yes. What's the vibe you get? Would Arizona and Arizona State stick together, or could that be a splintered situation? I think it could be a splintered situation, but uh, you know, I, I think it makes sense for them to, to to stick together. I think it makes sense for Colorado and Utah to stick together, and I think it makes sense for Oregon and Washington to sit, stick together, and 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 probably Stanford and Cal. But um, you know, when it comes to this kind of things, if if things start falling apart, it's going to be every man for themselves, and everyone's going to be looking for an exit. Pac-12 could add more schools if this is driven by TV. How much does market size matter? How much does football success matter? Uh, UNLV hasn't had a lot of success in football, but Las Vegas is a very hot property from a market. It's not, you know, it's not a, a top 20 market. It's supposed to be you know, over $3 million here in the next 20 years. So how important is market size uh, if TV's driving a lot of this, if there is going to be expansion of the Pac-12? Market size is, is certainly a portion of it. I think the conference looks more for you know, how the school is going to fit from a a brand standpoint, a cultural right. standpoint, an educational standpoint. I think, you know, at the onset, San Diego State might have the advantage over everybody. I think the conference would, would be well served by continuing to have a presence in San Diego and, and being able to recruit Southern California and at least tell those recruits that you'll be coming back to San Diego, which is, you know, Southern California basically runs from Santa Barbara all the way to the Mexican border. So, you know, whether it's San Diego or L.A. is kind of irrelevant. It's all close enough. You, you go beyond that, if you start saying, okay, we're going to add one, we really need to add two, then you get to the situation where you're talking about schools like UNLV, Fresno State, Boise State, SMU, places like that. And they're all pretty pretty comparable um, in terms of, you know, what they might bring to the conference. I think, you know, UNLV has the, the, the larger market. SMU gets you back into Texas or gets you into Texas, period. Um Boise State's had a had a top notch you know program in the Mountain West for a number of years and it's been a pretty good draw um, across the country. So you know Fresno State same thing you know they they're they're kind of up and down in football but you know right now they're up and you know Fresno's you know a good portion up the, a good market up there in Northern California. So I think you know everybody has an advantage you know everybody has some 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 pluses uh, if you look and say the Pac-12 is going to get back to 12. Uh, with San Diego State being one, the other guys that are kind of a toss-up, if you ask me. Yeah, and I think you, you hit on a, a point that I've mentioned for a couple of months now. Um, who controls the matching of the schools to the conference? Is it kind of the, the snooty Stanford having, you know, the muscle in this? Or because the conference is, you know, starting to splinter a little bit, is it Oregon? Is it more, you know, more about sports? So, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know what that means for San Diego State and UNLV uh, from an yeah. academic standpoint. That's a that's an interesting thing, and and it it could be a situation in the Pac-12, and I hope it doesn't get to this. But you know, for years they had in, unequal share sharing of revenues, and it was based on appearances and you know who was on national TV the most, who was on broadcast over cable, all these type of things. And the conference had quite an elaborate uh, calculation to figure out who got how much money. And if the numbers aren't, you know, significant for the Pac-12, I could see a, a, um, an Oregon and maybe a Washington, 
say, okay, guys, we want a little bigger piece of the pie. And they might have to institute something that makes some unequal sharing based on, you know, who win the conference championship, who gets in the CFP, you know, CFP, who gets, you know, what what the appearances look like on on television, so that they can keep those guys around. Bob, that was excellent. Thank you so much. I know we uh, we just reached out to you this morning, and thanks for coming out with us. My pleasure. I'm looking forward to quit talking about this and actually watching some games. I know, right? Well, we got games next week, <laughs> week zero. Here we That's go. Let's right. watch some football. Thanks, Bob. Thank you. All right. Enjoy it, guys. There you go. I don't think you enjoyed the spot. Well, okay. No, I get it. I get what he was saying. I don't know. He had to pull the phone back. He was ready to hang up. He's like, all right, I'm out of here. <laughs> well, he's been doing a lot of guest spots, and you can see yeah. why. He, he knows his stuff, and he, you know, he's worked around these conferences and worked for Fox for a long time. So there you go. Bob Thompson, and still no clarity on what's going to happen with San Diego State and, and UNLV and Pac-12 expansion and what the deal is going to be or deals for that conference. No, but it does recall to a conversation we were having. Um, if you know, he said, right, San Diego State would be the leader, like kind of what we were talking about. Uh, and then what did he say? UNLV, Boise State, Fresno State, all comparable to one another because of their different strengths. A lot of Broncos fans were like, what? Of course everybody would want us. Get in the game with the William Hill Pro Pick'em Football Contest for your chance to win over $1 million in cash prizes. Register by September 11th at the William Hill Race and Sportsbook inside Silver 7's Hotel and Casino. Cofield and Company presents... Grab Bag. Don't touch it. Don't even look at it. Only on ESPN Las Vegas. Stick your hand in there, dude. Thanks to Silver Sevens for hosting the show today. We're here every Thursday. Happy hour starts at 3 o'clock. 277 on Margarita's Beers and Shots. And on Wednesdays, if you play with your A-Play card, you build up points. We've got a, a great gas card giveaway. $50 gas cards go out right after our show, 6 o'clock until 10, every 15 minutes. In the bag? So, you had some questions about the UNLV basketball games. We haven't really talked about them because, frankly, I haven't had a chance yeah. to watch them. Uh, we do have them. The last one will be on ESPN Las Vegas tomorrow night. I think we're going to hook up with a player tomorrow at some point. So, they went one and one They lost the first game. Bad defensive effort. Kind of struggled on offense. Last night, they won 104-74. to Both of the games have been on radio. Both of the games are videoed as well. They're taped and posted a little bit after, so both are now up on YouTube. Ooh, they're archived, so I can go back and watch. Okay, you can cool. go back and watch, yeah. All so right. You can do it next week if you want. Right. Break things Tonight. down. So Ignore uh, my children. Apparently the message got through, and uh, they played better defense and much better offense. I think they were 11-26 to 26 from three last night. And, you know, as I've told you both on and off the air, um, I don't think they have their leading scorer playing right now, and that's Elijah Harkless, who transferred from Oklahoma. And as you blend things, yeah, there were going to be struggles. So should they be losing an exhibition game? In Canada, no, but frankly, who cares? Um, I'd rather see them do this than, you know, come out of the gates and struggle for the first four games of the regular season. Also, when your flight is reportedly delayed by 20 hours and you get in on game day, and I think from what I read had four hours, like between getting off the plane, getting to the hotel, and then playing a game, right? not the best situation. Stick your hand in there, Dave. Stephen A. Smith, my guy, will at times get himself in trouble when he has to go a little too deep divey on the NFL and MLB as opposed to the NBA. So did something happen with Major League Baseball that you that the internets were cracking on my guy, Stephen A? Uh, well, you're a Yankee guy. Um, was there, like, I don't know, like a famous Steinbrenner that may have passed? Let oh, yes, me Steve. tell you what can't happen in New York City, Aaron Boone. 
if you want to keep your job. The Mets can't be in the World Series and the Yankees home. Even Hank and Hal ain't tolerating that. Forget about George, God rest his soul. I miss that man. Hank and Hal ain't, ain't tolerating that. Well, well, technically Hank ain't because... I mean, I guess you could use the line he's rolling over in his grave. Oh, okay. I thought, I thought I messed up. No, no, no. I was going to deliver a zinger. Hank passed Hank's a, dead. Hank passed <laughs> away a couple of years ago. Hey. It's hard to keep track of, not to be morbid, but they're Hank and Hal, and you mentioned them a couple I times. I will so. always tell the story. It always happens. Adam and I did a full segment on one of my like first years here on whether or not Luther Vandross plays one shining moment as an open or a close to a concert. Right. Not realizing he had passed away like he passed, passed away a long time ago like a at a long, very young age. A long but time. you know what? I I mean, it's not. I'm not joking. Um, I I screw up on dead or alive all the time. Yes. I just forget, and that shouldn't be the case. These poor people are deceased, and you know, he's, life goes fast. You forget sometimes. He's awesome. Hank and Hack. It's good. He's, he was doing his bit, and he got a little caught up, and the internet's got all over him. So, by the way, for Yankee fans, you're going to be on the dance floor.